I mean, you, you, you go to church, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. Yeah. So, what, what are your thoughts on on God and church and heaven and stuff? All great questions. Just um, it's it needs to be answered. Pretty deep question for out on the lawn this morning. I do have a lot of thoughts on that particular issue. Sam, you rang. Pastor Mike, what took you so long? He was just asking me kind of what I believe. Gotcha. I'll take it from here. Thanks. See you guys. Okay. Well, first of all, Sam believes the Bible's the inspired, infallible Word of God. Jesus Christ, that He died on the cross as a, a propitiation. I'm sure your dad's gonna start coming to the games. You know? Once the divorce is funny, things get better. Pastor! Can I, can I get a minute? Uh, not really. I'm, I'm babysitting. I've got some groceries to deliver and bill. I'm That's great. For... Look, hey, Jack over here needs somebody to show him the love of Christ. Dad's a real jerk. You know, you got the counseling background. We got tickets to a game. We are late. Maybe just a round of catch to show him, hey, somebody cares. Yeah. Well, See you Sunday. It's okay. It's okay. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm feeling okay. But the place is falling apart. I just don't know what to do. Every last dollar goes to the doctor. What can be done? Uh, wow, I don't, I don't know. That's, that sounds really sad. Somebody need a minister? Oh, pastor. Great. Um, she can't take care of her house. There's got to be something someone can do for her, right? You mean help her out? Uh, meet her needs? That's a great idea. Why did I think of that? <laughs> don't know. I, you know, I just did preach a 16-week series on showing love in practical ways. Oh, yeah. Hey, great series. Good luck, huh? <laughs> Actually, I was just helping an older woman walk across the street. I left her in the median. Hi. Good morning. Today we're in Philippians 3, 15, all the way to 4, verse 1, and Mark has already read the passage for us. This passage has caused a lot of discussion throughout Christian history, particularly during the times of, of Reformation. Some took the view that uh, John Wesley's writings would actually lead a person to think that a Christian can achieve perfection. Other reformers focused on the depth and the complexity of sin and the complete eradication of sin. Both sides were actually looking at two different sides of the very same coin and coming out with a very similar conclusion in the end. The heart of the believer must be undivided in its devotion to God. The heart of the believer must be undivided in its devotion to God. How's that for an introduction to our passage this morning? It's actually a rather extremely engaging study if there ever was one. And today we're not going to get to near the depth that these great theologians got to but my prayer is that this morning we can shed a little more light on this beautiful and meaningful passage. As I read through this passage for today, a very important word and concept stuck out to me. And if I could sum it all up real quick, I would sum it up in one word. Maturity. Maturity. If you recall in the video that I showed this morning, just at the beginning of our message, immaturity comes in lots of different forms. From the man who didn't know how to even articulate his relationship with Jesus to his neighbor. To the father who didn't know how to lovingly care for a child who was hurting. 
to the lady who didn't know how to care for somebody who is in need. Every single one of them looked to their pastor to get the job done, but they failed to see that that isn't the point at all. As we look at our passage this morning, this only touches the surface of what immaturity actually looks like. The point is that we have all been been given a calling or a task. We need to go about that task with maturity. Next week, Jason Bechtel is going to be sharing with us, and he's going to be talking about spiritual gifts and how they work in the church body, both here in our community and overseas. And we look forward to hearing from him. But this morning, I would like to show you three things that this passage has to teach all of us. The first one is, and we touched on this one last week already, we have not arrived. We are not all the way mature. We are not perfect. How many of you know a person who thinks that they are all that? They always have all the answers. They never ask any questions. They know everything about everything, and they are experts on every single subject. They know best. They have the best, and they'll tell you the be- they are the best if you'll just stand there long enough and listen to them. Last week, Pastor Ernest actually did a really great job of introducing Paul to us, a Hebrew of Hebrews, it says, from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the right day, a Pharisee who persecuted the church, and by all of his own accounts, faultless. He says, I have every reason to think that I have arrived, that I am closer too perfect than others may be. I have special privilege. In fact, Paul easily could have argued that he was the most qualified to be honored by God over everyone else. Last week, we learned that Paul said it was all worthless. Paul's real goal, knowing Jesus, maturing to be more like Jesus. Let's take a little look at this word for a minute, this word mature, teleolai. Teleoi is the Greek word, the Greek form of it. If you're a King James Version person, you're going to see the word perfect here. This word can be translated as perfect or as complete, but it can also be translated as mature. So if you look at the context of the passage, you see that perfection is not something that can be completed by us or even by the Apostle Paul. Paul is actually talking about a process here. Much like the process that we saw happening in the children's video this morning, uh, we, when we were babies, we could only handle certain food processed in a certain way. But we're not supposed to stay that way. We're supposed to graduate to more solid food. This word mature that Paul is using here is telling us that the Christian life is a process with a goal. The goal is knowing Jesus. The process is growing deeper and maturing in our relationship with him. Can I repeat that for you again? The goal of a maturing believer is knowing Jesus more deeply. And that's it. No more, no less. That was good enough for the Apostle Paul, and it should be good enough for us too. If you want to know where I found that, look back in verses 10 and 11. That's where you'll find that. This is what it says. I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So today, this is where we need to start because this is where our passage starts. It says to all of us who are maturing that we need to take such a view of these things. And if at some point you think differently, 
God will make it clear to you. All of us, meaning we are not mature yet. Some are more mature. Some are maturing quicker than others, but some don't even know who Jesus is yet. No one, no one is completely mature. Paul is writing to a group of believers, and this is what he is saying to them. I wonder what he would say to us. He'd say the very same thing. All of us that need to keep maturing, keep growing in your relationship with Jesus. So now what does maturity look like? In our passage, Paul tells us what maturity is and what it's not. So let's start with the what it's not and then circle back to the the what it is. The first thing maturity is not it is, is it is not living as one who lives as an enemy of the cross. It is not living as one who lives as an enemy of the cross. At one time, we were all here, weren't we? Anyone who does not recognize Jesus as Lord of their life and put their trust in him is living as an enemy of the cross. This week, I've been feeling a little more contemplative for some reason. I've been spending a, a fair bit more time with Tozer. In the book, in his book, The Best of Tozer, he has this chapter entitled, I call it, or I call it heresy. And this is what he says. One of the greatest tragedies of our time is when the church introduces people to Jesus but doesn't finish the message. They never explain the part of obedient, holy living. Instead, they say, come to Jesus, but you don't have to change anything or surrender anything. Tozer says, If he is not both Savior and Lord of our lives, we are living as an enemy of the cross. I fear many sitting in churches, our church included, have fallen for this heresy. And while they see Jesus, they see Jesus as Savior, they've never actually made him Lord. They continue to live life their own way. And they're going to be surprised when they stand before the Father and he says, I never knew you. Our passage goes on to describe this person who is living as an enemy of the cross. Verse 19 says, their God is their stomach. Have you ever eaten a really big meal, like a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal? How long was it until you were hungry again? That meal was only temporary satisfaction. It only lasted for a little while and then it was gone. Anything that this world has to offer has the exact same effect. Money, possessions, comfort, position of authority, status, anything that takes more of a priority in our lives than God does becomes that small G God in our lives. And it leads us away from the one true capital G God. If you're living for self and not living for, for God, then you're living for the temporary and you're not living for the eternal. Verse 19 goes on to say their living or their glory is their shame. Their glory is their shame. Have you ever thought this to yourself? I may be the greatest thing ever. I know that not a single one of us would admit to this, but what do our actions say? The sin of pride says, I know best. My opinion is the only thing that's important. When we say my glory is most important, this is the opposite of maturity. Finally, verse 19 says, their mind is set on earthly things. Their lives are characterized by a worldly life, immorality, 
impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, malice, slander, filthy language. The list goes on and on. Remember the Tozer quote, these are the people who never mature because they don't change. They've never made Jesus the Lord of their lives. They may know who he is, but they don't live like he matters to them at all. Anyone who finds themselves in one of these categories is living as an enemy of the cross. Their end, it says, is destruction. Their end is destruction. So that's what living a life as an enemy of the cross is. What does a maturing life look like? I love it when Paul teaches in contrasts, and that's what he's doing in this passage here. Verse 20 begins with that word, but, which begins the contrast. It says, you who are mature, you who are growing up, you whose goal it is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, you are a citizen of heaven. You long to be with others who are also maturing and are eagerly awaiting Christ's return. Follow Paul's example. Deepen your relationship with Jesus. Learn to be more like him. Make Jesus your top priority. While you're waiting, you have a job to do. You are a citizen of heaven and your job is to reflect Jesus. Your job is to reflect Jesus. Philippians 3.17 says, Join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters, just as you as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. As a believer who is maturing, you are to be an example to those who do not yet believe or who are less mature. When we fail to live up to that biblical standard, we do damage to the reputation of Jesus and his church. Have you ever heard someone say, I'll never go to that church because of so-and-so? Damage has been done. Sure, sometimes it's an excuse, uh, but inside every excuse is always hidden a little wee bit of truth. We're not perfect. We still sin. We still have a sin nature, but we must strive to live an obedient life because others are watching. And when we mess up, we apologize, we make it right, we don't hold grudges, and we don't gossip. The responsibility, as a, our responsibility as a mature believer is to get it right. Be obedient, reflect Jesus. For those who are less mature, Paul says, pay close attention to those who live as an example. When I'm paying close attention to someone else on how they live, what I'm doing is I'm learning from how they're going to live their lives. How do they act in certain situations? How do they handle people, especially the difficult ones? How do they handle disappointment? How do they te- treat their children and their spouses? How do they treat, how do they teach their children about Jesus? The list goes on and on for me. My prayer for you who are maturing. May you understand the magnitude of the calling that's on your life. Reflect Jesus. Apologize when you mess up. Keep drawing closer to him. In closing this morning, you may be thinking, I feel like I'm living as an enemy of the cross. I'm putting on a real good show. I may be fooling people, but I'm really not living in a way that Jesus would, that reflects Jesus. You need to confess that to him today. 
It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. Today, I give you control of my life. Teach me to live in a way that honors you. The beautiful thing is that when we do this, God sends his spirit to live in us. He does this because he knows we're not perfect. He wants to transform us into living a life that completely reflects Jesus. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. This change will not be an easy change, but it will be the greatest decision you've ever made. Then tell someone. Someone that you know has your best interest at heart. Someone who is a maturing believer. Spend time together in God's word. Learning about Jesus is the only way that you will get to know how he wants you to live and how we can live lives that reflect him. That's for all believers. Spend time in his word. Learn what it means to reflect Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. Thank you for the way it convicts us. Lord, I pray that this week we would learn what it means to be a maturing believer, a believer that is growing ever closer to you and deeper in our relationship with you. Help us to be people of prayer and confession. Help us to make spending time with you a priority in our lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.